Do you want a politically incorrect gateway to a real history education? Then go to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 136. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Before we get started, just want to remind you of the usual things. If you do like this podcast, please share it around on social media. You can find me on social media on Facebook at Brian McClanahan, on Twitter at Brian McClanahan, and of course, you can subscribe to my YouTube page. Just go out and look for Brian McClanahan. If you want to search for all those things, you go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. At the top of the page, you'll find all of my social media buttons. You can click on those. It'll take you right to my accounts. And while you're there, you can give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook and free audiobook forgotten founders also while you're there if you want to support the brian mcclanahan show you can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support and you can throw a few pennies my way i help keep the podcast going help keep the lights on and of course just want to remind you that i do have my mcclanahan academy up and running now i have two courses for sale one on secession entitled secession an american tale and one on my hamilton book how Alexander Hamilton screwed up America. From now until December 31st, there are discounts on those courses. If you want to buy the Secession course for five bucks off, use the coupon code 15Secession for the Hamilton course, Half Hamilton. You get it for 36 bucks. So go out and do that till December 31st. And this is the last podcast of 2017. So I will be taking a break. Uh, and I've uh, been under the weather this week, so this is why this podcast is coming late. But it will be the last one. For 2017, I will be not. I will be back. I should say on January, the week of January 8th. So until then, uh, episode 136 will have to get you through the next couple of weeks. But that said, this is actually a um, a podcast. It's a user or listener generated podcast, I should say, on a couple of different topics. So I hadn't been able to address the situation with Roy Moore. Uh, nor have I been able to talk about the tax bill, which had been proposed and now passed as of today. We have a tax bill, a $1.5 trillion supposedly tax cut for the American public. And of course, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the Roy Moore situation. And so I want to talk about both of those in context of uh, a Think Locally, Act Locally episode. And, uh, and so when you look at these two issues, one, let's start with Roy Moore first. And when Roy Moore lost, a lot of people were talking about this is going to completely destroy. It's almost like the, the entire United States government was going to collapse because Roy Moore lost. And, of course, when you look at this as a situation where you have the establishment looking at outside candidates and things like that, a lot of people looked at this as kind of a, a bellwether for where this dispute between these two factions were going to go. Was the Roy Moore side of things, this anti-establishment faction, going to continue to push forward or was the establishment going to have its way? And, of course, someone like Roy Moore would make no uh, headway in a future election. There's one thing I can guarantee about this particular situation. And that's if, if, if Roy Moore had won, very little would have changed in Washington, D.C. And because Roy Moore lost, very little is going to change in Washington, D.C., so a lot of people look at this like, my gosh, we need Roy Moore to get in there or someone like Roy Moore to completely change the structure of the general government in D.C. Well, this is where the think locally, act locally theme that I often talk about comes in, because the fact is D.C. is never going to reform itself. Um, and I think this has been clear, made clear even during the ratification debates. 
people were afraid that once the central authority gained the power that it was going to gain through the Constitution, there would be no turning back. The, the central authority could never reform itself. So when we look at this situation we have, and I see friends all the time or people that I know or uh, you know, talking about uh, you know, what we need to do is go in and, and restructure the general government. No one who's interested in liberty should be running for any federal office. In reality, you should be running for state and local office. Uh, because uh, someone like Roy Moore, now not Roy Moore in, in particular uh, because of the personal baggage with Roy Moore, but someone like a Roy Moore, a Roy Moore candidate who's interested in curtailing federal power, would be much more effective, in fact, running for governor or running for uh, a position at the state level. Because, and, and we saw this now, of course, he was Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. He was removed twice, but he was able to do some things there that you couldn't do from the United States Senate. Uh, for example, he's much more effective in thumbing his nose at the general government and the couple of issues that went on there. Now, he, I think he did it in the wrong way. For example, when Moore was booted out the first time, because of the uh, Ten Commandments monument there in the Alabama Supreme Court building, he took an incorporationist message and he said, look, the First Amendment, uh, this is a First Amendment issue. In reality, what it was was a Tenth Amendment issue. The First Amendment does not apply to the states, and he should have taken it up, should have taken the position that incorporation is bogus and gone after it that way. Rather, he took it as a First Amendment issue, uh, and I think that was a major mistake. Now, the last time he was booted out, he, he instructed probate judges in the state of Alabama not to issue same-sex marriage licenses, and that was the legally correct position to take because he was saying, look, this decision that was made doesn't apply to the state of Alabama. And, and so he was correct about that, 100% correct about that. And, of course, the control that he had over the probate judges was also 100% correct. So when he got booted for that reason, of course, the state of Alabama decided to, to get rid of him. And I think this is the problem with, with uh, overall, you have people that have too much of a nationalist uh, perspective on government in the United States. But someone like Roy Moore is much more effective at the state and local level than they are in the general government. If Roy Moore had made it into the Senate, I can guarantee you the federal government would have continued to grow in size and scope and influence. Taxes might have been lowered, but spending would have continued to rise. There would have been no movement on any of the social issues that Roy Moore is so uh, famous for, you know, for example, abortion and other things like that. The general government wouldn't have outlawed any of these things. Uh, they all would have continued to exist. And so Roy Moore being in the United States Senate would have had no impact on the continued expansion of power in Washington, D.C. Zero. And this is where I think people need to come to the realization of this. Whether they vote for a Roy Moore candidate, or you know, not, not saying Roy Moore, but someone with those type of beliefs, if they vote for a Roy Moore candidate, they're going to be disappointed because they think things are going to change and, and not much will. Now, of course, you can say, well, yeah, but look at what Donald Trump has done. He's rolled back regulation. He's done this. Yeah, of course. Uh, having someone of our ilk in power is better than not, but a lot of these things can be done through the state governments. And you, there are people out there talking about this all the time and doing some very good work. And you've got the Tenth Amendment Center, for example, uh, pushing a, le a legislative agenda that's very much in line with uh, getting things done at the uh, state and local level. 
And most federal laws are redundant anyways. There's already a state law that takes care of these things. So that is an issue. I mean, if we can have people in Washington that could roll back some of that stuff. But unfortunately, you're never going to have enough of them to do it. I just don't think that's going to happen. And we can look at the Trump administration and signing this tax bill, which is uh, I'm going to talk about here in a minute, and taxes, and one of the questions that was asked of me. And so we can say, well, that's a victory. Well, you know what? There's, uh, there's sunset provisions in those taxes and those, and those tax reductions. And not only that, the government is still in a position where it says it's a neo-mercantilist position that says essentially your money is ours first and you get to keep what we say you can keep. And they have more taxes now than what was ever considered to be uh, just or fair when the Constitution was ratified. And we had Republicans write this thing. I mean, look, if Republicans were really interested in tax reform, they would just completely abolish the IRS. They would get rid of all the uh, income taxes and everything. They would just take care of it. It would, it would be gone if they were really anti-tax. They're not. They're not. In fact, the idea of withholding from your federal paycheck came from essentially the Republican Party. So... Roy Moore wins or Roy Moore loses, nothing much changes. But if a Roy Moore-type candidate wins in a state, as a governor, for example, like you're seeing now in Oklahoma with someone like Dan Fisher, well, that changes the ballgame because Dan Fisher has already made clear he is going to push for legislation in the Oklahoma legislature that is going to essentially nullify <coughs> unconstitutional federal laws. Now, that is a game-changer. That is something that can really put some pressure on the general government to reform. The only power strong enough to check a government is a government. An individual can't do it. You're run over by uh, the, the federal apparatus. You can't, you can't oppose the general government by yourself, but a, the people of a state can. A state government can check the federal government. That was the whole point. And we can talk about people say, well, yeah, but nullification isn't constitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution. Uh, but the, the fact is, when you look at the ratifying debates, people had said, look, if the federal government passes a law that's, that's unconstitutional, it's no law. It's null and void. Well, who was going to do that? Well, the states were the ones that had to be involved in that process. They were the ones that could say, well, that law's, no, that law's null and void. Clearly, it's unconstitutional. So this is the issue. This is where uh, we need to really consider where our political power is most effective in being put forward, whether it's at the local level and state level or running for United States Senate. And again, I see people all the time, I'm going to run for Senate because I'm going to clean up Washington, D.C. If you want to clean up Washington, D.C., run for state and local government and then push your agenda there and get the states off of the federal trough. That's also another issue. Stop taking the money. And when you do that, and when you can actually put some pressure on the general authority, you can make all kinds of advancements when it comes to the idea of liberty and, of course, a limited government agenda. So, don't be depressed that Roy Moore lost or a Roy Moore-type candidate loses running for, for the Senate of the United States. In fact, Doug Jones is only going to be in office for three years, and he'll be booted out. This is not a progressive wave. This doesn't mean anything about the 2020 election or the 2018 election, to be frank. The fact is, uh, Doug Jones is an aberration. And he received <laughs> uh, you know, <clears throat> about a third of the, of, the, of the vote of the registered voters in the state of Alabama. So the fact is, Doug Jones is only going to be there 
because, uh, you know, again, he didn't win. Roy Moore lost. That's what it comes down to. His ideas didn't win, uh, but people rejected Roy Moore, the, the individual, not Roy Moore, the ideas. And I think that's very clear. People are looking, this isn't an ideas election. No, it was a personality election is what it came down to. But regardless, Doug Jones being in the U.S. Senate from Alabama or Roy Moore being in the Senate from, from uh, Alabama doesn't, wouldn't mean a hill of beans when it comes to uh, shrinking the size, scope, and power of the general government. It wouldn't change anything. You have to start changing your perspective. In fact, what we should all be doing is vote, voting in more and, and stronger numbers in state and local elections and starting to ignore the federal elections. Because the federal elections, by, by voting for these people, you give them legitimacy. You are consenting. <clears throat> by not voting for them and staying home, you are withdrawing your consent. And so we should be putting all of our efforts at the state and local level. Think locally, act locally, where real government takes place anyways. Now, we can talk about whether, you know, the 17th Amendment should be repealed and we shouldn't even have, uh, you know, elections for U.S. senators. The legislature should pick those people, not the, uh, not the people, quote-unquote, of the state, because in this particular case, you had outside influences coming in, money coming from... It wasn't really a, a local election in Alabama to represent Alabama. It was a national referendum as more and more outside money poured in. And that, of course, is a problem, too, with the 17th Amendment and, of course, our current election system. But I also want to address the issue of taxes in terms of this think locally, act locally situation. And I actually had a, a listener email me and say, well, look, you know, looking at the tax bill, they're talking about you know, the states subsidizing other states. And so, for example, uh, if you're able to write off your state taxes in New York or New Jersey, um, then because those state taxes are so high, uh, you're effectively paying the state of Tennessee, for example, is effectively subsidizing New York or New Jersey because their state taxes are lower. And so these people are paying less than they would normally pay in federal tax from somewhere like New York or New Jersey. There's two ways to look at this. Number one, uh, any, any reduction in taxes is good. Uh, and what, what will ultimately happen with that, and, I, and this is why this was put in the bill, is because these people are going to start leaving these high-tax states for lower-tax states. But the, the problem with that is that a lot of times when you see the exodus into these states, they change the character of those states. So keep them where they are should be the, should be the goal. Keep the New Yorkers in New York. But... Um, there is there is some, you know, well, yeah, these, these low-tax states essentially are subsidizing the high-tax states, though the high-tax state would say that, you know, we, we pay more in services than what we get back, and so a low-tax state might get more in services than what it pays in, and uh, this is a big debate. But I do want to focus on this issue of taxes when it comes to federal and state power. And again, looking at the proper relationship between the federal government and the state governments in terms of taxes. And I'm going to go back to the ratifying debates with this. Now, we know Article 1, Section 8 contains the power, uh, actually the first clause in Article 1, Section 8, allows the general government to lay and collect taxes to provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But there was a lot of debate about this. What kind of taxes would be passed? What kind of power does this give the general government? And it was a very contentious part of these ratifying debates for one particular reason alone. And that one particular reason was that people thought 
who oppose the ratification of the Constitution, that having this power in the hands of the general government would reduce the states to nothing. It would take away their power to tax. So let's just run with that for a second. I'm going to give you some quotes out of this. And this is where we need to be rethinking our orientation again, looking at the central authority and the state governments. I would rather pay state taxes than I would federal taxes every single day of the week. Because those state taxes, if I have to pay taxes, actually go to things that I can see and feel in my hand. For example, if I pay my city school tax, well, if my kids go to public school, they get a tangible benefit from that. I am paying for that school. Now, if you don't send your kids to school and you send them to a private school or your home school, well, that city school tax does nothing for you. In fact, you can make an argument that you should be able to opt out of that tax if you're not using it. Now, of course, other people would say, opponents of that idea would say, well, yeah, then all the rich people are not going to pay any taxes and none of these schools are not going to have any funding. Uh, but you would have some people that would, um, uh, of course, uh, not, uh, you not pay taxes. They're going to be more wealthy. But then you have a lot of people that are just middle class people that uh, you know would wouldn't send would send their kids to public school or private school or whatever the case may be. The pub, you wouldn't see a private school tuition surge because people aren't paying those taxes anymore because they have to pay the tuition. So most people are still going to use the public education system. We can talk about whether that money actually does a good job, an effective job or not, but. I can actually see and feel something. Or when the street sweeper comes by my house in the city and cleans up the gutters, well, my city taxes that I'm paying go to that. I can actually see that. Or uh, I can see that you know my, my taxes are going to my fire protection or police protection for my home because of the taxes that I pay in the city or the county, whatever the case may be. I can see those things. Most of the money that we pay into the federal coffers, we don't ever see a dime of that unless you're a federal employee or you're working for the Defense Department. So when you look at taxes and everyone thinks, yeah, we got to pay all this money into the general government. For what? All the things, well, I should say, most of the things the general government does, and of course funds, could be done by the state and local governments. And in fact, that's the way it was designed. I know on this, on this particular show, I've read you the uh, from a Freeman, Tench Cox, going out of his way saying, look, these are all the things the general government can do, and these are all the things that can't do, and these are all the things the state governments can do and will do. And what you find in that list are things that the federal government now does. And we think we should pay more money in federal taxes. This is what the war, in eight, in, at the end of the war in Reconstruction, this is what it did. It reoriented people to look for the center, to the national government to do everything, and took away the interests of people looking at the state and local level. And that's the exact opposite of what the founding generation wanted. And how do we know that? Because they said it. So first, I'm going to start with a quote from James Wilson of Pennsylvania. Now, if you don't know who James Wilson was, and I, I, he's one of these... Um, he's one of these individuals that is often forgotten in the founding generation, but he's one of the more important nationalists. This guy really wanted a strong national government. He wanted to abolish the states, essentially, at one point. I mean, he, he wanted to make it to where the states had very little control of that general government. He's, he 
fabricated the idea that the Union, one of the first individuals to come up with this idea, that the Union predated the states. That the states were a mere, a mere creation of the Union. This is, this is James Wilson of Pennsylvania. You, can't, you cannot find a stronger nationalist in the founding generation than James Wilson of Pennsylvania. Yet this is exactly what James Wilson of Pennsylvania said in the Pennsylvania Ratifying Convention. He said, quote, it has been common with the gentlemen on this subject to present us with frightful pictures. We are told of the hosts of tax gatherers that will swarm through the land, and whenever taxes are mentioned, military forces seems to be an attending idea. I think I may venture to predict that the taxes of the general government, if any shall be laid, will be more equitable and much less expensive than those imposed by the state governments. End quote. Think about that statement. James Wilson is saying, look, if we're going to lay any taxes, they're going to be smaller and more even-handed than that comes from the state governments. What he's suggesting, this is in the Pennsylvania Ratifying Convention, this is a guy that said, look, the, the, the Constitution says it only delegates certain powers to central authority. The states have all the rest. Even though he didn't want that system, this is what he's actually arguing for in 1787 and 1788 but more 1787 when the Pennsylvania Ratifying Convention was held. He's saying that state taxes should be higher than those of the general government. That's a novel idea. All these things that we look for the general government to do, all the social programs that we want, the infrastructure, all these things that people talk about. You know, the Trump administration is running around, well, we need to improve our infrastructure. Why should the people of uh, Virginia pay for a road in California? Why should they do that? Why should the people of California pay for a road in Alabama? Or why should the people of Louisiana pay for a road in Massachusetts, or vice versa? Or North Dakota? It doesn't make any sense. We don't use that road. It doesn't benefit us. Yet, we're still required to pay for these things, whether it's a railroad, or a road, or an airport, or some type of federal infrastructure project. At the same time, private companies can do these things a lot more efficiently and better. You just pay a toll for it. Yet, we're told that the general government needs to collect revenue and taxes to do these things. And, of course, every time you go to the gas pump and you fill up, you're paying more in taxes than what the oil companies or the convenience store makes on that gallon of gas. That's the great secret. The general government will never want to get rid of gasoline because they make so much money on it. So, the fact is... All of these things that we're talking about now, all the taxes that we pay, all the hidden taxes that we pay, are indicative of a larger problem. That's that we've, re we've oriented ourselves to believe that the general government should collect more taxes than it should. So if one thing you could say, that uh, if anyone could go to the general government in Washington, D.C. as a representative, you'd want to eliminate all these taxes. Yet the Republican Party doesn't want to do that. They just give you... Uh, they just give you little pittances here, and they change the structure of things to where uh, you might graciously be able to keep some more money because they give you different types of welfare. Well, we're going to give kids, they target things. People with kids are going to get more of a, of a reduction than not, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's really not the way the Constitution was designed. James Wilson had said it. If any collect taxes are collected at all, wouldn't that be wonderful where the general government didn't collect any taxes at all? Amazing. But that's not, but this is not what people in Washington, D.C. think. So what's happened, and this is actually an interesting situation, 
what's happened is that we have the exact opposite of what was sold to the states by the proponents of the Constitution taking place. And this is why someone like Roy Moore wouldn't matter, because our orientation is all national. And you know what? The central authority is never going to reform itself. This is no badge of honor that what the opponents of the Constitution said would happen would happen. That's actually a dangerous thing. Because they were, they were promised that none of these things they're, they're saying are going to happen. I mean, this is what James Wilson said. Quote, again, let me read that to you. It has been common with the gentlemen on this subject to present us with frightful pictures. We are told the hosts of tax gatherers that were sworn to the land, and whenever taxes are mentioned, military force seems to be an attending idea. So he's saying this isn't going to happen. We're not going to have swarms of tax gatherers through the land. Well, this, of course, it has happened. Now, what's funny about this is this is where Joseph Story actually used the arguments against the Constitution to show this is what the Constitution is supposed to do. I mean, it's a, it's a convoluted, strange idea, but he did that in the commentaries, his commentaries on the Constitution, which I take apart in my How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, and of course in the class as well. This is what Richard Henry Lee said about taxes in his uh, Federal Farmer letters. To lay and collect internal taxes... And this extensive country must require a great number of congressional ordinances immediately operating upon the body of the people. These must continually interfere with the state laws and thereby, thereby produce disorder and general dissatisfaction till the one system of laws or the other operating upon the same subjects shall be abolished. So he's already saying, look, what's going to happen is that if we have these dual layers of taxes, one or the other is going to win out. And essentially that's what's happened. The federal government has won out, and we expect to pay more in federal tax than we do in state and local taxes. We expect it. Not because it's designed that way, but because this is what custom precedent has provided for us. And if we had real people in Washington, D.C. with a backbone, or at the state and local level, they would recognize us. So when people talk about the states can't do these things, certainly they can. You might have to see your state taxes go up, which again, this, is, was, this was supposed to happen. And your federal taxes should have been very low because the general government doesn't really have anything to do except commerce and defense. That's it. It shouldn't be building roads and canals and railways and all these other things. It shouldn't be providing uh, all these other services and goods that it provides to the people on a regular basis. That wasn't by design. That's what people have done over time unconstitutionally. But the state governments can do all of those things. And if you want to live in a, in a socialist state, you can do that in your, own, in your own state. But don't subject every other state in the Union to your socialist utopia. Now, of course, Brutus, this is what uh, James Wilson was responding to in some ways. Brutus said, quote, To detail the particulars comprehended in this general terms, taxes, duties, imposts, and exercises, would require a volume instead of a single piece in a newspaper. Indeed, it would be a task far beyond my ability, to which no one can be competent unless possessed of a mind capable of comprehending every possible source of revenue, for they extend to every possible way of raising money, whether by direct or indirect taxation. Under this clause may be imposed a poll tax, a land tax, a tax on houses and buildings, on windows and fireplaces, on cattle, and all kinds of personal property. It extends the duties on all kinds of goods to any amount to tonnage and and poundage on vessels to duties on written instruments, newspapers, almanacs, and books. 
It comprehends an, extra, an excise on all kinds of liquor, spirits, wines, cider, beer, etc., and indeed taxes and duty on or excise on every necessary and can come and excuse me every necessary of life, whether foreign or of home growth or manufacturing. In short, we can have no conception of any way in which a government can raise money from the people, but what is included in one or other of these general terms. We may say, then, that this clause commits to the hands of the general legislature every conceivable source of revenue within the United States. Not only are those terms very comprehensive and extend to a vast number of objects, but the power to lay and collect has, little lat has great latitude. Excuse me. It will lead to the passing of a vast number of laws which may affect the personal rights of the citizens of the states, expose their property to fines and confiscation, and put the lives in jeopardy. It opens a door to the appointment of a swarm of revenue and excise officers to prey upon the honest and industrious part of the community, eat up their substance, and riot on the spoils of the country. Now, we can all say that Brutus was correct. We can all say that his warning that the, the, what's going to come out of this Constitution is tax, tax, tax. This is what he said in the following essay. We can all say that's correct, but the thing is, that's not how the Constitution was sold to the states. What was sold to the states is James Wilson's position. No, no, this isn't going to happen. The fact is, general taxes are going to be very low if we're going to collect them at all. And, of course, state taxes are going to be high. That's the way the tax structure should work. So if New York, for example, in modern politics, wants to have very high taxes to pay for all of the services, well, then they should have to pay those taxes in no other state should be subsidizing that state to do it. If the people don't want to live in that situation, they move. You vote with your feet. I'm all for reducing taxes as a person that's interested in lower taxes. But at the same time, we shouldn't have welfare to certain states or another based on the fact that some of these states have very high taxes and we're trying to keep people in those states. No. If they want to live in a high-tax state, make them live in a high-tax state. And therefore, maybe they'll reform their own tax system. So this brings us back around to this Think Locally, Act Locally situation. Keep the taxes in your state low, absolutely, if that's what you want. If you want to have more services, we need to be thinking about how the states and localities should provide those things, and we shouldn't be asking the general government to do it. This is what I said, run for state and local office. Don't run for U.S. Senate. Don't think you're going to change the world by being in the United States Senate or being in the United States House of Representatives. You're not. You could, however, have more impact on the state and local level because you can affect what goes on in everybody, everyday life in your community by being in those particular governments. I often ask my students, if all levels of government were to disappear tomorrow, which would you miss first? And, of course, it would definitely be your local and then your state and then the federal government. So I hope, you, hope this answered some questions and maybe allayed your fears a little bit about you know, someone like Roy Moore losing for U.S. Senate. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant in the long term. Roy Moore losing or winning doesn't mean anything, except that the general government is going to get bigger. It would have gotten bigger with him there. And all the things he talked about would not have happened anyways. But someone like a Roy Moore who has those ideas on thumbing their nose that the general government would do a lot more damage to that central authority at the state and local level if they did it right than they would running through the Senate or the House. That is clear. So this is, again, the last episode for 2017. It's been a great year. Thank you for all your support. I do appreciate everyone who's contributed to the Brian McClanahan Show, bought a McClanahan Academy course. Uh, hope you all have a very, uh, very safe 
and happy Christmas and very good New Year. And I will see you back on the Brian McClanahan Show with some fun changes, I hope, uh, I'm looking at in 2018, the week of January 8th. Until then, good day. (laughs) 